Hey, thanks for being here. We had a great time last weekend at Kalahari Retreat. Um, and for some of you, you might not know this, this is our, was our 17th year of doing that event. So uh, 17 years ago, we started, yeah, it's great. Um, and in fact, it's grown. It was 17 years ago. It was not what it is today. Um, and 17 years ago, I don't remember how many people were in the room, but we had just shy of 2,500 people at Kalahari Retreat this year. Uh, we had a great time. Um, in fact, um, one of the best things is that on Saturday night, uh, every year we do a, a gospel invitation. Um, and we, we think around 50 students indicated that they made a decision over the weekend to follow Jesus. So we're excited about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and we're still waiting to see from all the churches if, uh, if kind of get more of an accurate number on that. But uh, we, as Grace Community Church, we took just over 300 students. Um, and so we love that. And then we also um, had 45 room leaders. And so they're the true heroes in the story. And, uh, and, <laughs> and uh, they... Uh, yeah, we're thankful for them and we're thankful for uh, anybody who was volunteering to help set up, tear down uh, the volunteers as part of the worship team or tech team or they were serving uh, to serve food, uh, bring food to their rooms. If you didn't know this, we have like 180 suites at Kalahari, Retreat, at Kalahari Resort um, and we stock every room with food on Friday uh, at like two o'clock and it's like a madhouse in there and just running all these rooms, putting milk and Cheerios and Oreos and all this crazy stuff in there. And so we had a great time, uh, but thank you for anybody that helped in that. And then also thank you, um, anybody helped in any other way at Kalahari. We had a great time. Um, I, I texted a few students over the uh, this week and I asked, hey, what has Kalahari meant to you? And here's two responses that I got back. Um, one of them said, hey, Kalahari has not only helped me grow in my faith, but also to make lasting friendships along the way. While it's so fun to hang out at the water park in an attempt to stay up all night, and they do try to attempt to stay up all night. Um, my favorite part has always been seeing students come together to worship God, no matter what they are facing at home. I get to leave my own struggles and worries behind to focus on him for the entire weekend. It's so encouraging to be surrounded by others my age who want to do whatever it takes to serve God. No one cares how long you've been a believer or about mistakes from your past. The most important thing I took away from this year was that I'm not alone in following God. Here's another one for you. Kalahari Retreat has been in a big part of my life. It has always been a special time to really connect with God and start the year off strong. I have been able to watch Kalahari impact so many people, including myself, and I'm very thankful for all the years I have been able to go on this trip and the incredible relationships, relationships I have with all my leaders through the years. It has always been an amazing experience to be surrounded by people worshiping God and to create an amazing friendships with people around you. Um, and that kind of sums up what happens every year at Calvary Retreat. Um, and uh, we love it just because we get to meet students where they are. Um, and that's kind of where we're at in our series. Um, John chapter three, where Pastor Kevin was last week, uh, Jesus interacts with a guy named Nicodemus, right? 
Uh, and Nicodemus is this religious guy. Uh, and so Jesus meets Nicodemus where he's at. He in, in, engages in this conversation with what Nicodemus knows. And he invites him into something more. Same thing in John chapter four, he runs into this woman and he engages in a conversation with her where they're at, meets her where she's at and invites her to something more. So look at John chapter four, starting in verse one with me. Uh, It says this, therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, Although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were. So what's going on here is Jesus is uh, making sure that no one has, uh, uh, could be holding this on or over anyone else saying, hey, I got baptized by Jesus and you didn't. Ha ha. He's taking a step back as more people are following him. He's taking a step back and allowing his disciples to baptize um, people. And then verse three. He says, he, talking about Jesus, left Judea, which is down here, and went up again, went away again to Galilee, which is up here. And then he had to pass through Samaria. And so if you're just reading three and four, you could miss the main point of what is happening. Um, and we can miss it because we don't understand what the culture around in that time frame. So Jesus is going, and, he, and it says he had to pass through Samaria, but anyone that was around in that culture at that point would have said a Jewish man had to go through Samaria. They would, in fact, they would have said he had to go around Samaria, even though it was longer and a little bit more of a difficult travel. They would have said that he shouldn't go through Samaria. There was a deep cultural divide that Jesus is about to cross over when he says he had to go through Samaria because he has this divine appointment with this woman at this well that we're gonna see in just a second. So verse five, it says, so he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of the ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus being wearied from his journey was sitting thus by the well and it was about the sixth hour. When it says sixth hour, it's just new time. Um, And so, Here's a little picture. This is where they're at in modern day Israel. Um, they're in, at a place next to this mountain called Mount Gerizim that we learn about in just a little bit in the story. But Mount Gerizim, big mountain. Um, and then down below that, it, at this point, was a city called Sakar. It's not there today, but there is a city, modern day city there now. But on Mount Gerizim, the Samaritans, like they did in this story, they still do today. They go to the top of this mountain and it is their place of worship. And that's where they go to worship. And so there's a group of Samaritans that they do this all the time. They go on top of this mountain. At the bottom of that mountain is this well that Jesus is at. Um, And so Today, there's a church kind of building that has build, been built around this well. And, and it is, there is sometimes in stories and in the Bible where people take their best guesses and they're like, hey, this is where this is, event has taken place. And we're not really sure, honestly. But when it comes to like this well, it is an ancient well. It is at the bottom of Mount Gerizim. Um, and so it makes sense that this is, could be, and it probably is, this well that Jesus is about to interact with this woman at. And in fact, fun fact, you can go and have water from that well today. It's still active. Um, and so you can go drink some well 
water out of the well that Jesus is sitting at next to. Um, but in verse 7, here comes this woman. Uh, she sa- it says, There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Which some could take that maybe as kind of rude. Hey, give me a drink. It's not rude. It's just Jesus meeting this woman where she's at and engaging in a conversation with her. And in verse 8, it says, For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman say, said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. See, she's catching the tension. She gets it. She's like, hey, as Jesus talks to her, she's like, hey, there's a divide between us. I don't know if you know the, 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 there should be some tension here. You're Jew, I'm Samaritan, we don't really do this. And yet Jesus talks to her. See, throughout Jesus' ministry, Jesus revealed himself to the most unlikely people in the most unlikely places. And here in this story, it's no exception, right? See, between the Jewish people and Samaritans, there's centuries that were built around bitterness and disagreement. Even though they lived close in close proximity to one another, they had, and even though they had a common heritage, uh, the Samaritans uh, had an ancestry of uh, Hebrew that intermarried with the foreign Assyrians that worshiped a pagan God. And, and through the result of that, they were mixed race. So th- for Jewish people looking at the, at the Samaritans, they would go, man, these are people who are uh, low. They, they didn't look at them with respect. They, they looked at them being lowest of low. They're mixed race that then had adopted a different kind of culture and it adopted also a different way to worship. And in fact, they're worshiping a pagan god. So when the Jewish people looked at that, the Samaritans, they're going, there, there's, there's no good Samaritan. So when Jesus tells the story of the good Samaritan, everybody's sitting and listening to Jesus tell that story. And they're like, Jesus, what are you talking about? There is no good Samaritan. And so as Jesus interacts with this woman, it would be shocking to people that he's interacting with a Samaritan, but then that he's interacting with a Samaritan woman. Because even in that culture, there was a divide between men and women. There was a strict social division between men and women that weren't married or closely related. So Jesus is crossing over, over all these kind of boundaries and he's going, you know what? I want to meet this woman where she's at. And what's even more shocking isn't the fact that he's talking to a Samaritan or he's talking to the, the, a Samaritan woman. It's the fact that he's talking to this Samaritan woman. Remember, he's, he's at the well at noon. This is the Middle East. Who goes to the well in the Middle East at noontime? It, it, you go in the morning or you go in the afternoon. And w- women would go in the morning or they go in the afternoon. And it would be social hour. Maybe just talking. This is a great time for them. Things haven't changed a lot in 2,000 years. 
And as he, this woman chooses to go at noon, it's because what we find to learn, what we learn is that she has a ton of baggage that she's carrying. See, she doesn't want to go in the morning. She doesn't want to go in the afternoon because the talk at the well would be about her. The gossip, the, the little remarks, they'd be all about her and her scandals. So she doesn't want to go out in the morning. She doesn't want to go in the afternoon because she doesn't want to hear the shame and she doesn't want to feel the guilt. So she goes at noon to avoid the tension. And she comes at noon and, and she's thinking, okay, I'm going to avoid everybody. And then she gets to the well and, and she sees this Jewish man. And she's probably just thinking, okay, it's not that big of a deal. He'll just avoid me and I'll avoid him. And then he stalks to her. Hey, give me a drink. Now she's shocked. She's like, you missed the memo? Like, we are supposed to like each other. We're supposed to, in fact, hate each other. And Jesus then answers her back after she's going, hey, we, why, why are you asking for me for water? And Jesus responds to this woman who's even been casted out of her own people. And responds in verse 10 to her. He says, Jesus says, answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And she said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. It, like she's interested because she's like, what are you talking about living water? Uh, but then she kind of responds with a little bit of sarcasm. And she's like, hey, sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well's deep. Where then are you going to get this living water? You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. Hey, who are you? What are you talking about living water? But she's interested. She's curious at least. And Jesus answered back to her and, and he says, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. So now she's really interested. I, you're saying I can have living water, not be thirsty ever again? Sounds pretty good to me. So she responds back. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water. Like, no duh, give, let me try this. So I, I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. I, I'm, I'm interested. Give me some of this. How, how do I uh, take a part of this? She, she actually, she struggles with this thing called if only syndrome, right? Like if only I get this a little bit of this living water, it will solve all my problems. All my issues will go away. I don't have to go to the well anymore. So if, if only I get this living water, I won't be thirsty. This is going to be great. Let me try this. You know, we, we understand this really well, right? Like it starts with you and me when we're kids, if only, 
I was a teenager, it will solve all my problems. And then we become a teenager and we go, you know what? If only I had a car, it will solve all my problems. And then we get our first car and now we have a lot of problems. And then we go, you know what? If only I was an adult, because now I can put my own rules and I can make my own decisions. I don't have anybody to tell me yes or no or be home at 10. I, I can make my own decisions. So if only I was an adult, it would solve all my problems. Maybe you become an adult and now we got a lot more problems. Uh, if, only I had, if only I could marry her. If only I had a different job. Jeez, it would solve all my problems. If only, like 2023, New Year's resolutions, if only I could work out more this year, solve all my problems. If only I would eat healthier, solve all my problems. And that way we kind of think, and not necessarily is that bad or wrong, but it can come into the way we do or walk with God. Like heaven, hell. Okay, I don't want hell. I want heaven. And, and this is what our culture does. I, I, okay, so if only I have to take, take Jesus, I got to follow Jesus to get heaven because I don't want hell. Okay, then I'll follow Jesus. If only, if only this will work, I'll follow it. I'll do it. I'll, I'll be obedient to it. See, we, we are more fixated on how do we become a better version of us? How do I, how do, I do self-care, self-help? Like, how, what are the five t- tips this year that it will make my, my year, new year way better than it was in 2022? What, what are the things I need to add to my life to make it better? See, we're all about self-care this woman as well is all about self-care, right? Let me, how do I get this water so I don't have to go to the well anymore? But Jesus isn't talking about self-care or self-help. He's talking about soul care, right? Because he's, he's looking at her and he's going, I, you know, the problem isn't here at the well at noon. The problem is you're looking in all the wrong places to fill the void that is in your heart. You're trying everything and everything that if only it won't fulfill, there's only one thing that will fulfill, one thing that will satisfy what you are longing for. And so Jesus is going, hey, it's not about self-help or self-care, it's about soul care. And that's why he says what he says next, where he says to her in verse 16, go call your husband, come here. How do I get this living water? What do I have to do? Go get your husband. Come here. Verse 17, the woman answered, I have no husband. It's kind of like an easy way out of a conversation. Can't do what they just asked you to do. I got, I have none. Sorry. Bummer. Can I still get the living water? And then Jesus said, you have correctly said I have no husband. For you had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. You know, I, I, I sit and think through this story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's just kind of funny 
here's, here's Jesus interacting with this woman, meets her where she's at, and invites her into something more, more than she's expecting. She's misunderstanding what, what he's talking about with the living water. And so Jesus goes a next step further and he goes, hey, go call your husband. I have no husband. Yeah, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And the guy you're with now isn't your husband. Could you imagine the awkwardness? Like they're in the Middle East at noontime. They're already sweating. Now she's dripping. She's like, she's like, who is this guy? How does he know all this stuff? I just met him. The pause. Yeah, you don't have a, has, what you said is right. You don't have a husband. You've had five. And the guy you're with right now isn't your husband. Pause. Silence. See, we don't know what reason why she had five husbands, why she's with another guy now, but I, only, I can only imagine, and it's probably a mixture of all these things. I, I can imagine maybe the first husband, she get like a high school sweetheart. Boom, she gets married to him. She's madly in love. He dies. And culture in that time, that husband, first husband had a, a brother that the brother would take her in as his wife. And so let's say for a second, the first husband dies and, and the second husband is the first husband's brother who takes her in as his wife. And, and then he looks at her with disgust because that's his brother's wife, not his wife. That's not what he chose. It's just culture said you have to take her in as your wife. And so he looks at her, doesn't want, doesn't want her, Divorces her, leaves her, and now she has this feeling of unwantedness, and so she finds a third husband eventually. Because there's a, a feeling of unwanted, I don't know if he really, it really wants to be my wife, she starts looking elsewhere, cheats on him. She finds a fourth husband, he cheats on her, so she goes and leaves him and finds a fifth husband and, and it's, just a, it's just a mess and they, they just go, okay, it doesn't work. We can't make this work together. So she finds another guy, but she doesn't want to commit to him and he, she, he doesn't want to commit to her because of all her past. It could be all of those things. It could be have abuse throughout it. But the point is, isn't hey, what could have been going on in her life. The point is that she comes to this well, she's broken. She feels shame, she feels guilt. She's at, there at noon and Jesus meets her where she's at in the middle of all that and invites her in to, to something more, invites her into a relationship with him. He doesn't ask her, hey, go clean up your life. He invites her in as she is broken, bites her into a relationship with him. And so she does what a lot of us would do. We deflect. When we're faced with truth in our life, we just deflect. We try to change the subject. So she acknowledges the fact that Jesus knows a lot of stuff. When she says in verse 19, the woman said, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. You know stuff. Don't know how you know it all, but you know stuff. Verse 20 this is how she deflects and changes the subject. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, Mount Gerizim, picture we looked at a little bit ago. 
And you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where, we, where men ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, hey, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will we worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. See, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. And when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. A few things I think we should catch from this is one is how Jesus is meeting her and like Nicodemus meets Nicodemus where he's at, how he meets her where she's at. When, he, when we share our faith, we can learn from Jesus here. He just engages in a conversation where they're at. Like, what does he first start talking about? Living water. Because they're at a well. <laughs> and then she changes subject. She goes, hey, look at, you see that mountain? Mount Gerizim? That's where we worship. You guys say you worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus just goes with it. Does it go back to the living water? It just goes with the mountain. Okay, you, you say you worship there, we worship there, okay, okay. Hey, there's gonna be a time where you're not gonna be worshiping at a holy place. And that time is now where you're gonna start worshiping a holy person. So what he's calling her to do is to worship him. That time is right now. And she goes, okay, okay, uh, what do I know, what do I know? There's gonna be a day, there's gonna be a Messiah, uh, and he's gonna tell us everything. And Jesus looks at her, I'm that guy. And everything for her there has, is changing. She's realized, okay, Messiah, the Savior of the world, Jesus, the Christ, he's right in front of me. He's met me at where I'm at, in the middle of my shame, in the middle of my sin, and he's inviting me into a relationship with him. And everything for her is, is going to change here in a second where, where we see the evidence of her belief in a second. But uh, the disciples show back up from getting food. And, and so verse 27, it, it starts doing a little bit of jumping in and out of this story. But in verse 27, it says this, at this point his disciples came and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman yet no one said, what do you seek or why do you speak with her? Like, if it was Nicodemus, they wouldn't be walking back into the scene and going, hey, Jesus, why are you talking to Nicodemus? Because Nicodemus was a religious guy. Hi. They, they would have been like, okay, that makes sense. Jesus speaking to a Samaritan woman at noon, this woman, they're going, okay, this is kind of weird, but they're not wanting to question Jesus yet. And so they just go, okay, we'll just stay silent. And then Verse 28, this is key. Here's where you see her belief, her faith come to, out. It says this, so the woman left her water pot. What did she come to the well for? Water. What did she left 
the water pot. Because something in her has changed. And she went into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? Now they're interested because they know about her. They know about her life. They know how she's just going around. They see all of a sudden she doesn't feel shame. There's freedom in what she's saying. There's hope, there's joy in what she's saying. And she's inviting them to come and see Jesus. And they, verse 30, they went out of the city and were coming to him. She's taking this initiative to invite them to come and see. See, what she's understood is that Jesus met her where she's at and Jesus invited her into a relationship with him. And so that invitation that Jesus offered her, that she's accepted, she understands the thing that I need to do with this invitation is to extend it to others. And she does it, not like five years later, she does it immediately. And it's not filled with a bunch of theological answers or questions or, or, or topics. It's not filled with apologetics, how to defend your faith. It, it's just Come and see a guy who's told me everything I've ever done. Met me where I was and invited me into something more. Come and see him. And then the disciples start talking again. Jumps back to them and they start telling Jesus, hey, Jesus, you need to eat something because they're thinking Jesus has gone a little bit crazy. He's talking to a Samaritan woman at the well at noontime. They're like, Jesus, eat something. Here's a Snickers bar. You aren't you when you're hungry. So just, just eat something. And then Jesus responds to verse 34. And, I, and this is, is a, a cool verse in how Jesus responds to these guys. Meeting them where they're at. His disciples teaching them. They're asking about Jesus eat food. And Jesus responds back to them in verse 34. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. My job is to do Father's will. And then there's verse, a few verses later that he just keeps going and he, he just talks about how we need to do the will of the Father. Let me ask us, what has God called us to do? Each and every single one of us, what has God called us to do? For those of us that call Jesus, man, I love Jesus. He's my Lord, Savior. I put my faith, trust, and hope in him. It's only through him and his work on the cross that I can be saved. What has God called you to do? Like, for some, it maybe is a good reminder for some of us, like, looking at this story. Here's a woman that everybody else is looking at, low as a low, low as it gets, Jesus reaches out, meets her where she's at, invites her into something more. And she immediately doesn't wait. She leaves the water pot and goes into town. Verse 34, or or, I mean 39, it says this, from that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. Her testimony. She just shares her story. He told me all the things that I've done. 
It's not complicated. It's pretty simple. She probably feels in ways unqualified. But because she realizes of what Jesus has done, she feels qualified. And she goes into town, shares her story. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And, and many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you've said that we believe, for we have heard from ourselves and know that this one, that Jesus, is indeed the Savior of the world. She just goes into town, hey, come and see. Guy who's told me everything I've ever done. He met me where I was in the middle of all that. And he invited me into a right relationship with him. Come and see. You know, for some of us, um, maybe you've never come to a point of trusting in Jesus. And you don't know what it means or you're not sure. You, you can, this morning, be like this woman as well, that Jesus wants to meet you where you are, in the middle of your sin, in the middle of your guilt, in the middle of your shame. And he wants to fill the void that is in your heart and give you new life that's only through him. And through that life, that new life, he promises you eternal life. And if you want to talk to a pastor of what it means to ask Jesus to come into your life, we just would love to invite you. There's a room right back there that's called Room One. Uh, we would just, after the next song and after your service is done, if you want to come in there and just talk, we'd love to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus. But for the rest of us in this room, maybe if you've made that decision to follow Jesus, let me remind you of something. Verse 28, the, the woman Leaves the water pot. And maybe you've been walking for Jesus for a long time. Maybe you've, you're brand new. There's something that we constantly have to remind ourselves of and never get tired of. That's what I tell our students all the time. Remind yourselves of the gospel, what Jesus has done for you. Don't get tired of that. Because what, in a, in a way, this, the water pot represents, in my mind, is here's a woman that came to the well with a water pot, filled with shame, filled with guilt. And after she meets Jesus, realizes who he is, and what he's inviting her into, not because of herself, not because she deserves it, but because he loves her. She leaves the water pot. She leaves her old priority, takes on new ones. There's probably no better New Year's resolution than, hey, this year, leave the water pot. as we kind of close this morning, let me challenge us. If you have stuff going on in your life that is a priority in your life over him, 
it's time to take the water pot, leave it at the feet of Jesus where that woman at the well left her water pot. The shame, the guilt, whatever it might be, that we can leave it there, leave it at the feet of Jesus, because he's gone to the cross, right? He's gone to the cross to take our sin, our shame, our guilt upon himself, that we can leave our, our old self at the foot of the cross, take on the new self that Jesus is offering to you and to me, and we can launch forward in the new life that he has for us. And if we're, man, we've been walking with Jesus for a while, sometimes we just remind ourselves because we get in old habits real easy, or we get busy because life is busy. We just need to remind ourselves to put down the water pot, run back into town, invite others to come and see the Savior of the world that's given us new life. And when we do that, there's, you can be in your word every single day. You can be uh, praying every single day. And those are great things to be growing your walk with God. You wanna really grow in your walk with God, tell people about him. Invite them to come and see what he can do in their life because you know what he's done in yours. If you guys would, stand with me and let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you that we get to come here this morning and we get to worship you. And God, I thank you that 2,000 years ago you came into this world to meet sinners like us, to go to the cross in the middle of our sin, in the midst of it. And Lord, you went to the cross still to provide a way and invite us into a right relationship with you, Lord. And I pray if there's someone in here that hasn't ever come to make that decision, Lord, that they would accept the invitation. And God, I pray for all of us that have accepted that invitation, that we would extend that invitation on others, that we would leave the water pot behind and we would invite, hey, come and see the Savior of the world. We love you, Lord. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.